Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Medieval Podcast, your weekly episode for news on movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. Is what I would say if he was here. Just a solo show today. We wish Matt to get uh, healthy. He's currently dealing with COVID three years. Finally got him. All right. So since it's just me, let's dive right into it. We got not quite a lot to talk about, but we're going to get through it rather quickly then. We start with, the, as we always do, with the music section. We start the music section with the billboard, and we start the billboard with the Hot 100. And number one song is Last Night by Morgan Wallen. Coming in at two, Kill Bill by SZA at three. Uh, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Coming in at four, Ella Baya Sola by Eslabon Armando Cross Peso Pluma. And rounding out your top five, Calm Down by Rema and Selena Gomez. And uh, that is your only new entry into the top five. All others remain the same. As for your albums chart, your Billboard 200. At number one, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. Coming in at two, 17, 10th mini album, colon, FML by... 17. At 3, Midnights by Taylor Swift. 4, SOS by SZA. And rounding out your top 5, Dangerous, the double album by Morgan Wallen, making it yet again a Morgan Wallen sandwich in the Billboard 200. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. Starting with The Answer is Always Yes. By Alex Leahy. Uh, there's also Walk Around the Moon by Dave Matthews Band. Yes, that Dave Matthews Band. Uh, Drastic Symphonies by Def Leppard. Yes, that Def Leppard. Uh, Gag Order by Kesha, finally releasing that uh, latest album. Seven Psalms by Paul Simon. I Only See the Moon by the Milk Carton Kids, and lastly, Mirror to the Sky by Yes. So with that out of the way, let's get into some music news, and we start with music adjacent. Rather, it's the Tonys, and with this year's Tonys, uh, it won't be televised on June 11th, after the Writers Guild of America denied a request for a strike waiver from the show's producers. The Tony's Management Committee will meet on Monday to decide the next steps. Currently, Ariana DeBose was set to return as host, but it is believed she'll cancel if the strike is still on. The Tony's were scheduled to take place at the United Palace in New York's Washington Heights. The ceremony is scheduled to start at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS as well as Paramount Plus, but that date and time have may be in flux right now. The 2023 nominations, which were announced on May 2nd, saw the 
uh, musical Some Like It Hot, nabbing the most noms with 13, including Best Musical. Shucked and And Juliet uh, both earned nine nominations, followed by Kimberly Akimbo scoring eight. The Jessica Chastain-led revival of A Doll's House scooped up eight nominations, and, and as did Tom Stoppard's The Pulstant, and the political satire Ain't No Mo. Uh, meanwhile, the race for Best Musical Revivals includes Parade, Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, and Camelot. But this is just yet another example of the writer strike creeping into award shows. We saw this happen this past Sunday with the MTV Movie and TV Awards with Drew Barrymore stepping down as host because of the writer's strike. And yet here we go again with the Tonys on June 11th potentially also uh, going without a host because of the writer's strike. Not the only time we will talk about the writer's strike, but we will talk about it later. And just a quick note, a uh, fan of the show, Christy, has said that she has expressed her deepest disappointment at how bad she is that the writer's strike has made them cancel the Tonys. Although I'm going to assume that's not actually at the writer's strike themselves, but at the people who won't make the deals, which we'll get to later. Other, uh, our second story has to do with the country's superstar. Eh, I don't know if a superstar is the right term. Uh, current country um, on the rise, star on the rise, I'd say, uh, Jimmy Allen. Well, he's not in the news for good reasons, as he has been suspended by his agency and management and terminated by his publicist following a sexual assault and battery lawsuit lodged against him. A spokesperson for UTA tells Variety, quote, we have suspended our representation of Jimmy Allen due to the recent allegations against him, which we take seriously, end quote. Allen has been accused of rape, sexual assault, and harassment by his former day-to-day -day manager who sued the singer and his former management firm, alleging that she was manipulated and groomed by Allen into abusive sexual relationship <clears throat> while she worked on the singer's management team. Allen did admit to a sexual relationship with the woman, but claims it was consensual. In a statement to Variety, he called the allegations, quote, deeply troubling and hurtful, and said they were false and extremely damaging. Allen, meanwhile, has, was put on suspension by his label, BBR Music Group, within hours of the lawsuit being filed. The label is also putting on hold all business activity with the singer, including promotion of his new single. Now, we just recently saw Jimmy Allen uh, do the Apple TV Plus uh, show, My Kind of Country, where he was a big part of that. He was one of the hosts. He was one of the judges. Um, and he's also Grammy-nominated last year for Best New Singer. His song was Grammy-nominated for Best Country Song. Uh, so he is a star on the rise, and to see this just occur means that something, uh, they're taking these actions really seriously, especially when you're dropped by your 
management, by your agency, by your publicist. Basically, everyone's dropping him. Everyone is now officially blackballing him until these allegations are uh, resolved. Now, as noted, these are allegations. We're not here to take sides. But anytime something like this does happen, we need to tread with caution until the story fully develops, until the lawsuit fully reaches its conclusion. So we'll keep an eye on this, uh, and maybe we'll see what happens in the upcoming summer here. Uh, let's see here. Moving on, I didn't really listen to any new music, but I did see that the Jonas Brothers put out the album. I uh, did not get a chance to listen to it because it listened to something else, but I'll get to that in a bit later because it has to deal with TV. So, in the meantime, let's move right along then into video games. And we start with new releases. Um, and we have Firmament for the PS4, PS5, and PC. Lego 2K Drive Racing Game from Legos out for everything. And lastly, Humanity for the PS5, PS4, and PC. And I believe Humanity is also available for PS Plus Extra members. It's one of their free games for the month. All right, so let's get into some video game news. And we start with Ubisoft. And whenever we start with Ubisoft, it's never for the good. And this is another one of those stories because after many of its games have been delayed or, in general, underperformed in sales, Ubisoft has now let go of 60 employees without advance notice or warning. Now, this news may seem small compared to other similar instances with companies like 343 Industries and EA, but it follows after a stream of bad news for Ubisoft. Now, the publisher has released a statement about laying off 60 workers, citing which of Ubisoft's office has been affected. However, none of the employees were even told that the restructuring effort was underway, only to find out once the change had already left them without a job. In a statement from Ubisoft, it cites that the reason for the layoffs is due to its Customer Relations Center team, quote, evolving its organization in the Newcastle, UK and Cary, North Carolina offices. The initiative includes letting go a few members of the customer relations team that worked the recent X-Defiant uh, closed beta, which is yet another game in Ubisoft's lineup that has had some concerns surrounding it arise from fans as the publisher continues to struggle. In addition, some employees from other departments than just customer service have expressed being cut from the company despite a lack of recognition officially from Ubisoft. Yet another in a long line of stories of Ubisoft just basically being a bad business to work with, uh, especially if you're just being let go without any warning uh, 60 people is a lot. I mean, it's a whole team. It's a whole division, essentially. Even though you can... Even though the story tries to paint it as they're just customer service, hey, customer service is a part of the company. You need to make sure that your customers are happy and 
get that through customer service. To them to just completely drop 60 employees out of the blue is not good business, not good customer service, and definitely not good PR now that the story is out. Uh, so once again, just Ubisoft being terrible at business, just being a terrible company in general. Um, I know that we haven't even played a Ubisoft game in a while, even though most of them are available via Game Pass or uh, PlayStation Plus now uh, via Extra, but there's just no reason to play it. And I hope that that these 60 employees who are just fired find are able to find new jobs rather quickly. In other big business news, a little bit of a follow-up story. Uh, the British Regulator, uh, Competitors and Markets Authority, or the CMA, have imposed additional restrictions on Microsoft's proposal to purchase Activision Blizzard. If you remember two weeks ago when we talked about the CMA uh, for the EU, they were essentially going to block Microsoft's deal Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard and King. We always leave them off, but they're a big part of this too. Uh, so this development arrived shortly after the same agency, as I said, blocked Microsoft Activision Blizzard's acquisition in late April. Its latest order, hence, states that Activision Blizzard is forbidden from acquiring any kind of direct or indirect stake in Microsoft without prior approval from the CMA. The interim order hinges on the CMA's rejection of the proposed acquisition surviving second instance scrutiny. Both Microsoft and Activision Blizzard previously confirmed plans to appeal the regulator's decision to block their $69 billion deal. So this is just the contingency that if the block still goes through past the uh, second instance of scrutiny, Activision Blizzard still would not be able to purchase any kind of stake in Microsoft and vice versa. They say they want to keep those two companies separate should this merger not happen. They see them as too big and if they have, um, what's it like, hands in each other's pies, whatever the saying is, uh, if they start doing cross business with them, that it could lead to more uh, irregular business practices in the EU. Uh, I don't know if I see this one actually sticking because there's a lot of moving parts, especially if when you start saying directly or indirectly via shell companies. Uh, the indirect part is very uh, hard to prove. Although, if they're trying to put it in writing, they're trying to basically hamper any type of monopoly that they see in the games industry. Speaking of monopoly and games, my time has mainly been dominated by uh, Jedi Star, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, what I could play. Now, the big release that everyone around video games is talking about is uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Matt will be talking about that next week when he plays it. But so far, technically, that is the biggest uh, story this week. Uh, it did release uh, 
yesterday as of this recording and current reviews are out giving you tens all across the board nines if nines and tens just calling it a perfect game even metacritic gave tears of the kingdom a 96 aggregated score so it's doing good but i don't know if i'm going to play it and i'm gonna actually gonna wait to see what matt has to say about the game because uh, it does look like something that I may enjoy. It may also be something that I could get lost in. Also, just maybe something I'm just bouncing right off. So, so just to give some context on that 96 score from Metacritic, it's not saying that the game is that good. It's just saying that out of everyone who plays the game, it's saying that likely of you enjoying your time playing the game is a 10 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10. It's their review saying... You will more than like, you will mostly enjoy what the game provides. That's why they're giving it such high scores. It's not a perfect game, especially since it's running on the Switch and it has limited power. But for what it can provide and what the output is, they're saying that it is well worth the money, time, and investment for Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Although they did say that about Elden Ring, and I bounced immediately right off of that, so you know. Mileage may vary on whether or not you're going to get uh, Tears of the Kingdom, but I'm going to assume that, one, either your mind's already made up, two, if you've seen the scores, your mind's already made up, and three, uh, it's going to be one of the best-selling games of the year, and it's only May. Uh, so I'm going to assume our next story next week is going to be how much it actually sold in its first week. Uh, with that, I think I have anything else for video games, so we'll just move right along and literally chugging right along here into television, and we start television with the sports corner, do do do, and do 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 do. Uh, the NFL had its release schedule this past week, and some of the uh, release schedule videos actually hit the nail on the head. Uh, some of the top videos were the Bears doing their representation of the bear the tv show uh the vikings in a one take drone shot through the facility which i thought was really cool um the chargers with their uh once again back at it anime style release video but the best video comes from the titans which technically did two videos the first one was their very produced uh, one, uh, which was a one take through a bar on uh, Broadway, uh, showcasing the uh, schedule. But their second one, that was posted to Twitter and social media, and then for what looked like zero budget, was go out to the streets of Broadway and ask the p drunken people out there, what team is this based on the logo for their schedule? And that video is hilarious. I think that video won. Uh, several of the team names were trending on Twitter because of it. And even one team changed its handle because of uh, some of the answers that were provided. If you haven't seen that Titans uh, schedule release video, please go check it out. It is hilarious. Uh, in other NFL news, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the commanders being sold 
And it looks like that will happen. The next NFL owners meeting is set to take that up as a matter of business for the sale of the Commanders for $6.05 billion. Uh, the NFL owners meeting is occurring on May the 25th, 24th or 25th, which is in two weeks. So Dan Snyder may officially be out as of that time. Moving on to some playoff sports. Uh, the NBA has its Western Conference Finals set with the Denver Nuggets, uh, number one seed Denver Nuggets, taking on the number seven seed Los Angeles Lakers. Meanwhile, in the Eastern Conference, the number eight seed Miami Heat advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, they will play the winner between uh, the Philadelphia 76ers and Boston Celtics, who went to Game 7, and that will be tomorrow as of this recording. Uh, so, coming down to the semifinals, well, the conference finals um, for basketball, and same thing for hockey, as the Carolina Hurricanes and the Miami Panth Panthers, Florida Panthers in Miami, the Florida Panthers, not to be confused with the Carolina Panthers, and the Carolina Hurricane have both advanced to the uh, Hockey Conference Finals. I believe those are both Eastern Conference Finals, so they will face off against each other. Uh, the other teams, uh, the West and the Metro, uh, for the Western Conference, are still going into Game 6 and 7, which will be taking place today and Monday. In MLB news, the Tampa Bay Rays continue their streak as they are the only team with under 10 losses. Actually, I think they lost yesterday, so they may have hit 10 losses yesterday when they lost to the Yankees. Let me do a quick look up on that because I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Where's my standings? And yes, they did. It is official. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays have hit 10 losses as of last night. Technically, that's still the best record in the league at 30 and 10. Uh, but yeah, first team to hit 30 wins on the season. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll see how you continue to play that through the dog days of summer. Uh, meanwhile, in Home Run Watch, your current leader is Pete the Polar Bear Alonzo from the Mets with 13 home runs. Uh, so congratulations to Mr. Polar Bear. We look forward to seeing you once again in the Home Run Derby. Uh, in other football news, um, the USFL has a new top team, the New Orleans Breakers, uh, as they are the only undefeated team currently in the league with 4-0, uh, meaning that every other team has at least one loss, but on the flip side, at least every team has at least one win. So there won't at least be a winless team in the USFL this season. As for the XFL, uh, they had their XFL honors last weekend with DC Defenders quarterback Jordan Ta'amu named the offensive, named the XFL 
Offensive Player of the Year, and the Vegas Vipers linebacker Peter Tamu Epunu named the, def the defensive, the XFL Defensive Player of the Year. And the VC Defenders head coach Reggie Barlow named the XFL Coach of the Year. Now, uh, I know I mentioned this last week, but I technically got it wrong. The XFL championship game between uh, the Defenders and the Renegades was not last week. It was this week. They did the Super Bowl thing where they give everyone a week bye and then play the championship game. So that is today on ESPN and ABC as of this recording. So next week we will have a champion for the XFL. Uh, let's see here. Anything else in sports that I can think of real quick? No, golf just being golf and continuing. Nothing happening there. Um, we're indie car racing is happening. Oh, it was May um, the 6th. Last week, that's right. Last week, May the 6th, was uh, the Kentucky Derby. And your winner for the Kentucky Derby was Mage, I want to say. Who won the Kentucky Derby? Yeah, Kentucky Derby winner, Mage. So congratulations to Mage for winning the Kentucky Derby. Okay, sure. Uh, good luck at the Preakness. <laughs> Trying to become the fifth horse in the last 12 years to win the first two legs of the Triple Crown. Mage, 15 to 1 long shot last week. All right, and with that, I think that's it for uh, move with uh, sports. So let's get into some TV news, and we'll start with the Disney earnings call, where CEO Bob Iger announced that Disney will be combining Hulu content with Disney Plus content into one app in the U.S., the company will begin to roll out the new app by the end of this calendar year. For now, this option will only be available to consumers who have subscribed to both services. Iger added that Disney's purchase of Comcast's stake in Hulu still has not been fully determined. But after studying the business potential, he now sees a benefit in retaining general entertainment content as seen on Hulu in combination with Disney. We've already started to see some of this creep over, like with Abbott Elementary, with um, like uh, the Marvel stuff that used to be on there, but now got transitioned to Marvel, um, where stuff that is on Hulu is creeping into Disney, but they're more or less trying to keep them separate. Now, now, it is worth pointing out that this is specifically with the U.S. because they already do it internationally under the banner of Star or Hot Star. 
so everyone internationally under Hotstar already has everything under one banner. This is just specifically splitting up the U.S. content between Disney Plus and Hulu. But hey, if you're subscribed to both and we know that they offer the Disney Plus bundle, that you'll just get both of them combined. Uh, it's weird that they're not including ESPN in this, in the one app feature, because that would push more people to subscribe to and or watch uh, ESPN Plus. But hey, one step at a time, I guess. Uh, speaking of one step at a time and one day at a time, the the Writers Guild of America, the WGA, is still on strike. No deal has been made thus far. As such, they have decided that they will picket Boston University's 2023 commencement speech after the university confirmed that Warner Brothers CEO David Zaslav will remain as this year's commencement speaker. Boston University, Boston University first announced Zaslav as commencement speaker on May the 4th, alongside a list of this year's honorary degree recipients, which includes Supreme Court Justice uh, Kentaji Jackson Brown. The announcement spurred backlash from members of the Guild including some alums, as well as several Boston-area Democratic Socialists of America groups. In a previous statement, the WGA called the decision to select Zaslav as one of the school's commencement speakers a poor decision and noted that both Guild members based in Boston and students enrolled in the university's film and television program have expressed deep disappointment over the choice to give the university platform to the WBD CEO. Quote, Boston University should not give voice to someone who wants to destroy their students' ability to build a career in the film and TV industry. It added that the university should expect students, Writers Guild members, as well as other unions and community groups to picket Zaslav's commencement address. Now, for those of you who don't know or follow uh, David Zaslav, big part of, this, of what we cover here in the Boat Podcast, especially the past year, where I believe he was our um, story of the year last year. And once he took over Warner Brothers from Warner Brothers Discovery in the merger, that he had cut all uh, a majority of content from HBO Max that he purged about two billion dollars of content just gone locked up in the vault cannot be sold moved anywhere that all that content created just does not exist anywhere uh, that he's also part of a CEO of the big media conglomerates that are opposing the Writers Guild and not um, giving them the benefits, the pay, and the tools they need to basically do their job, that they're trying to undercut them at every single step. So to give them a voice, yeah, you're going to... It's not exactly a reading the room type of scenario here for Boston University to continue. 
with CEO David Zasloff for its commencement speech. Uh, I do expect picketing, especially as we get closer here. Um, David Zasloff is a big figurehead. And yes, while it's nice to get big figureheads for your commencement speeches, it's also important to understand what's going on in current events and whether you want someone like that to speak at your uh, commencement. Especially since you have someone like Supreme Court Justice Kintaji uh, Brown-Jackson, who is getting an honorary degree and could do the speech just as well. All right. Let's continue on then, since Matt isn't here to step up on his soapbox and speak more about it. Let's go on into some thoughts. And I watched something new this week on Disney+. Plus. Hey, the Muppets are back. Well, not those Muppets that you're thinking of, but rather Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, uh, the band that uh, always uh, backed up Kermit the Frog in the original Muppets show, uh, and just the general Muppets band in general, Electric Mayhem, is back with The Muppets Mayhem, a 10-episode series on Disney+, Plus, starring Lily Singh. And hey, if that name sounds familiar, then you probably stayed up way too late because she did Late Night with Lily Singh. Same person. Uh, she is now, she plays, is now, she plays a record producer um, for On Its Last Legs to get uh, the to get the Muppets to create an album in order to save the studio. Uh, in going through some paperwork, turns out the Electric Mayhem signed a deal to create an album, went on tour, and never stopped touring, which is a hilarious concept for the Muppets, that if you're on tour, you don't have time to go into a studio to make an album, so if you're on tour... You just constantly are on tour, and there's no stopping. And that's kind of like where this begins. It's a little wink and a nod into the music industry, and it's kind of almost perfect, I want to say. Someone actually understood what makes the Muppets the Muppets, and like actually gave them the tools and utility to make this series ab- Quite as endearing as it is. It is produced by uh, Adam Goldberg, uh, who did The Goldbergs on ABC. Uh, So it does have that kind of connection, that kind of humor. But at the same time, it's also a very heartwarming story about, like, family and growing up and just music in general and, like, how difficult the music industry can be. Uh, There's also one episode specifically dedicated and calls out... Uh, the Beatles Get Back uh, documentary, uh, which Peter Jackson did and put on Disney+. Plus. There's an entire episode dedicated just to that, uh, doing a document uh, rockumentary. Uh, it's really, really fun. It's really hilarious. And the opening uh, song that they do is really, really good. It's the their intro song. It's great. It makes you not want to skip the intro. Not many songs really want to do that. It's it's an earworm. It's really good. 
there's a lot of good, um, not just covers, like uh, musical covers that the Muppets do, but also some original songs that they do as well. Uh, and it really get, dives into all aspects of the band, not just Dr. Teeth, not just Janice, uh, but Zoot, Lips, and Animal. I mean, you got to have Animal in there, but the main faces that you associate with the band, like Dr. Teeth, like Animal and Janice, uh, they're, they're there. They do have the strong presence, but it does, because it is a TV series, it is 10 episodes, it does give you the opportunity to delve into the full band. And that's something that I really, really liked about this. It's like, okay, like I know these characters, but now like I really know these characters, man. Uh, <laughs> and like how they formed. Definitely a good backstory to it. And I, I, it's hard to say if I want to see more of this or just more of the Muppets in this kind of style because the Muppets themselves in Disney and Disney owned aren't being utilized in a very, uh, very useful. The last thing that they did was, well, no, I would say it was the Muppets period TV show, but they did the Muppets Haunted Mansion a couple of years ago. And that was just filled with just celebrity cameos and we have to use the Muppets. This also has celebrity cameos in it, but it does feel more Muppet central driven though. Uh, there is a bit of a love story with Lily Singh and uh, Taj Maori, which is also in this flash from the past, AKA like name I haven't heard in a while, uh, but it's fun. I had a lot of time enjoying this show, uh, lots of heart into it. And I think just having the Muppets be their Muppety version of it uh, really, really pays off. Someone, somebody in there in that writing room in the showrunner really, really understands the Muppets. And I'm really, really happy with this. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be about my top five, but currently it is. We'll see what happens with the rest of the year. It's really that good, and it's so good that um, I put on the album. Uh, kind of dropped a little hint in there in uh, the music section, but uh, the Muppets Mayhem original soundtrack album is officially out on streaming services, so I put that on after I was done watching the show because I couldn't get enough of that opening song, Rock On. Uh, but yeah, that's Muppets Mayhem. It's on Disney+. Plus. All 10 episodes are currently available. Uh, and enjoy if you have nostalgia for the Muppets and just for like music in general. I think it's right up your alley. Uh, let's see here. Other than that, uh, it is coming to the end of May, so regular TV seasons will be officially wrapping up with their season finales and for some series finales as the writer's strike continues. Speaking of series finales, let's get into some cancellations and renewals. And we start with SWAT on CBS. We'll get a seventh season finale. Meanwhile, East New York canceled after one season on CBS. And True Lies canceled after one season on CBS. Man vs. B canceled after one season on Netflix. So I guess B won that round. 
The Outlaws uh, will get a third season on Prime Video. Walker will get a fourth season on The CW, but its spinoff Walker colon Independence canceled after one season on The CW. Uh, also canceled on The CW, Kung Fu after three seasons, and The Winchesters after one season. Fantasy Island canceled after two seasons on Fox, uh, but Fox did pick up Ammo Control for a second season. Uh, so I guess congrats, Joel McHale. You now have another TV show more than one season. <laughs> that counts for three if you include the suit. Um, we also have Password picking up for a second season on NBC. Game show. I expect to see more of these in the coming weeks. Uh, Lockwood and Co. canceled after one season on Netflix. And lastly, Lopez vs. Lopez will get a second season on NBC. Uh, as for deaths, just one of note this, this week. Jacqueline Zeman, age 70, actress. Uh, famous on General Hospital, One Life to Live, uh, and The Bay. Just a prolific career on daytime soap television. All right, let's move right along here and go right into the movies, our last section. And we'll start the movies with The Weekend Box Office. And no surprise, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is your number one film. But only at $118 million. That is one of the lowest openings for a Marvel film in some time. Even if it is considered, uh, we do consider this the pandemic area, $118 million for Marvel isn't that, yeah, it's not that good. Uh, I think Ant-Man, even Ant-Man and the uh, Wasp Quantumanium hit $125. So, uh not really off to a good start, but hey, it is the start of the summer movie season, so maybe I'll just pick up Steam. Uh, it has been getting good reviews, so you know maybe it's not something that you want to necessarily rush out and say goodbye to. It could also be a factor of just the type of Marvel films that have come out before this, that if it's going to come out on Disney+, Plus, maybe I don't need to rush out to see it in theaters. Uh, coming in at number two, the Super Mario Brothers movie. With another 18 million, that is at 518 million domestically. We talked about how it reached a billion dollars at the box office last week. Uh, at three, Evil Dead Rise with 5 million, that's at 54 million. Uh, coming in at four, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret, with another 3.2 million, making its total uh, rounding up to 12 million. And rounding up your top five, Love Again, your new release, your other new release, with $2.3 million. Uh, currently out in theaters, we have Book Club, The Next Chapter, and Rally Road Racers. But everyone get out of the way. Next week, Fast X, Fast 10, Vin Diesel being all fast in your face for family. Uh, which I don't know why they just call it Fast Family at this point. Um, that's coming out next week. So 
if you weren't looking for Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe it's because you're looking for Fast X. Let's get into some video, uh, video game <laughs> movie news then. And we'll start uh, with the latest earnings call from Nintendo, where President Shintaro Furukawa assured the company's shareholders that Nintendo will be using Nintendo Pictures label to produce more movies based on Nintendo franchises in the future. Nintendo has revealed that the success of the Super Mario Bros. movie has encouraged the company to produce more movies under the Nintendo Pictures label. They're taking a step out of the uh, Sony Playbook and the Sony PlayStation's label, uh, Sony PlayStation Pictures label, uh, where in front of Sony PlayStation properties that are getting film adaptations, like the upcoming Gran Turismo movie. Uh, I think we recently, what did we recently see it with? Uh, I'm blanking here. I recently saw it somewhere. Uh, oh, the Ratchet and Clank film from a couple of years ago, um, where they're putting that logo in front of their movies. Nintendo will be doing the same. Uh, with its movies going forward, not to say that they won't be in a part of Illumination projects, but that they will help produce them under the Nintendo Pictures banner. Uh, this is a, yet another step of Nintendo taking hold of their IP and growing uh, said IP into a multimedia business outside of games and toys and merchandising and getting into movies. So expect more uh, Nintendo films. Uh, interested to see which one they will go next. Uh, there's been a bundle of rumors between like F-Zero, Star Fox, Kirby, um, even Legend of Zelda. So they have a lot of IP to choose from and you can see where they go from here, but do expect it to be under Nintendo Pictures going forward. So Congrats, Super Mario Brothers movie. You made your own studio out of this. All right, let's wrap up the news here with the Directors Guild of America. So while the Writers Guild is currently on strike, the Directors Guild uh, and its contract is currently gonna, is going to come up rather quickly here. So the Directors Guild of America has released a new video outlining its bargaining positions on the eve of its contract negotiations with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which got underway this past Wednesday. The video features John Avnet, chair of the DGA's negotiating committee, and co-chairs Karen Gaviola and Todd Holland. They laid out their priorities, quote, for a strong contract that treats us fairly and allows us to share in the success of an ever-evolving entertainment industry, end quote. Some of the points that they are looking to address include securing wage increases that address inflation, maintaining the strength and sustainability of pension and health care plans, negotiating mean meaningful increases and structural changes to streaming residuals formulas, uh, once again, noting that streaming is a big point, healthcare is a big point, and uh, wage 
securing wage against inflation. Those are the top three points that are also mimicked from the Writers Guild. Uh, moreover, the DGA um, also wants to address protecting the role and vision of directors, protecting our jurisdiction over projects produced abroad for U.S. audiences, meaning any projects that happen in the U.K. or even those in Australia and New Zealand that are specifically made for U.S. audiences, uh, improving safety on the set by expanding and encouraging training, and addressing long work days, increasing uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and strengthening the voices of underrepresented people, and looking for the and looking out for the full directorial team, meaning the assistant directors, the UPMs, the associate directors, stage managers, etc. The negotiations began on the ninth day of the Writers', Writers Guild strike. The DGA hasn't gone on strike since 1987, and even then, it was only for 3 hours and 15 minutes on the East Coast. Otherwise, it was 15 minutes on the West Coast before a deal was reached. The DGA's con current contract with the AMPTP expires on June 30th. So there's currently six weeks of negotiation until we see the DGA on strike as well. Then everything comes to a halt. Currently, the Writers Guild is out there striking. Should the DGA also go on strike, it means you have no writers and no directors for your projects. Um, Hollywood would come down to a, a halt. Um, do note that they're not doing this out of any malice, but because of the insane profits that these companies are bringing in on the backs of their workers, of their writers, of their directors, of everyone involved. That if they, I mean, they need to share in those profits. You can't just hoard all the profits for the top. Um, one thing I saw was that um, for CEO, being a CEO, <laughs> David Zaslav, uh, his check or his um, bonus, not even his salary, his bonus was for $250 million. And even that in itself would be enough to um, pay for 10,000 writers. So you're looking at the difference between 10,000 people getting paid or just one person hoarding 10,000 people's wealth. So we'll also keep an eye out on the DGA uh, as well as the WGA. Let's see what happens as uh, could be a hot strike summer. All right, let's get into uh, thoughts here as we wrap up this episode. And I'll watch something. Air. Um, maybe it has the subtitle Courting a Legend. Maybe it doesn't. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, it's called Air. Uh, it was in theaters for a hot month. Currently available on Amazon Prime. It is produced by Amazon Studios. Uh, this is the uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck uh, starring vehicle about the Air Jordan shoe and how Nike was able to secure the deal with uh, Michael Jordan 
prior to him playing in the NBA. And it's yet another one of these weird stories. Well, I don't know if it's weird or more commonplace stories. Uh, we saw it just last month with Tetris. We saw it a couple of years ago with the founder uh, about uh, McDonald's and how like they treat these um, very technical deals and make a movie about them. I think we have the upcoming one even about like the Hot Cheeto one. Uh, upcoming one about BlackBerry itself, about like, just in general, like uh, how these mega deals got started. Um, for those that don't know out there, Air Jordan, Michael Jordan, the Air Jordan shoes, brings in like somewhere between like $4 billion a year <laughs> just in the Air just in the Jordan branded shoes alone and how that deal. And this is more, this is more or less a story about how one man was able to secure that deal for Nike through uh, the Jordans and their family. Uh, Viola Davis in here as uh, Dolores Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan's mom. Very well done. I really liked her in this. I really like Matt Damon in this. I think he's hitting his notch here as a leading uh, he's always been a leading man, but as a leading corporate man, uh, we saw this uh, recently with Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, so him looking to be the next Tom Hanks of like the everyday uh, man who like saves corporate America, <laughs> uh, more or less to say. Um, but the one person that really feels out of place here is Ben Affleck. Uh, it's at times, it felt like it was just Matt Damon and Ben Affleck um, role-playing each other, especially when they're on screen at the same time. But anytime they were outside of being on the same screen, that's when they worked together. I think there's some connection there that they're just like, oh, I'm just going to, like, ham it up or, like, uh, not to, like, ham it up, but I'm, like, fall back on my laurels. Like, oh, it's just my friend here. Because they are friends. They've been friends for, oh, God, it's been 30 years now since Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, the 90s, yeah. Uh, so I think there's too much of comfortability there for them to work on meaningful projects together. But outside of that, uh, chemistry, it's pretty good. I, it's hard to say if it's good or not, because like being that the six is the past and, and we're in the future here, we know how the deal plays out. We know that they're going to secure the deal. Uh, I have the same kind of weird feelings with Tetris in that, a lot of this is um, drama for drama's sake. A lot of it is not necessarily exactly what happened, but we're going to visualize it in the best way that we can so that it's a dramatic representation, build it up for a dramatic sake. And in the end, uh, we're going to just tell you like, oh yes, and here's how it all paid off in this billion dollar deal that they bet it all on one guy um it's fine i i, mean, I think we had to compare between four vs ferrari and this i like four vs ferrari better as i mentioned when it came out it's your dad's favorite film or it's gonna be your dad's favorite film air not so much it's a lot of like uh talking a lot of like court talking not a whole lot of uh not court talking but like 
legal jargon and like trying to sign contracts and speeches about hopes and dreams and legacy and what it all means. Uh, like I said, kind of in the same way that Tetris was, but in the same way Tetris definitely hammed it up and definitely um, played into the uh, very overdramatic dra dramatization. I think the same thing happens here with Air. Uh, especially when you cast someone in the role of Michael Jordan and then throughout the entire film, you both don't show their face or let them speak. <laughs> uh, very unique choice of role, but I think that was done on purpose. So you don't necessarily need Michael Jordan's approval for it. He's just the stand-in body uh, for the deals that happened surrounding Michael Jordan, not Michael Jordan himself. So it's a fine film. Uh, I have issues with the content itself, but it's fine nonetheless. Uh, with that, I don't think we have any fan questions, and I think I've hit this thing on the hour mark. So, with that, let's wrap this up. This has been uh, another episode of the Media Boat Podcast. Oh, I forgot to say this episode 383. Um, if you want to catch more Media Boat Podcast, Podcast. You can find us on our website, mediabellpodcast.com. You can search for us on YouTube, Mediabell Podcast. Uh, you can listen to any of our podcasts on your podcasting catcher feed. Find us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, wherever you get uh, your podcast from. You can also find us on Twitter, unblue checkmarked at mediabellcast, Facebook, mediabellpodcast. Twitch at Media Boat, where we'll be playing some more Jedi, um, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, maybe some more Redfall. Uh, if you want to ask us questions, tell us what we got wrong. Tell us what we should be covering. You can email us at MediaBoatPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that'll do it for us. Us, meaning me, myself, and I. This has been a solo cast. Uh, we'll be back next. Hopefully, we will be back next week with both of us. Wishing Matt a uh, healthy and speedy recovery. If, um, uh, next week, we'll have more news, more thoughts, and more of us. Hopefully. Okay, bye. Bye.